0: The regular season is over. Next up, another championship. This is Bucks Weekly. The playoff version. Now here's your host, Justin Garcia.
1: It is the playoff version of Bucks Weekly, a three-hour supersized edition on the Trimalcast. As we are joining you on WTMJ, on ESPN Milwaukee, and 101.7 The Truth. Tonight getting you set for the postseason. We still wait and see who it is the Bucks will be facing in the first round of the playoffs. But we do know the schedule now. As we learned last night at the conclusion of the two play-in games, the Bucks will be playing at 4.30 on Sunday. That is their Game 1, 4.30 Sunday afternoon. At Fiserv Forum, Game 2 will be Wednesday night, an 8 o'clock tip in Milwaukee. And then, of course, uh, Games 3 and 4, Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday, April 22nd, Monday, April 24th. Those are the first four games of that series. The rest of those three, TBD, the dates are set, but uh, the Times-TBD on all of those, in case they're necessary, but uh, Sunday, Wednesday will be the two games, we hope only two games needed, in Milwaukee in this first-round series that the Bucks begin Sunday afternoon, 4.30 tips, so you'll have a full week off between the regular season coming to an end and the playoffs beginning. A lot to dive into on this show tonight. Again, we've got three hours for you, a lot of guests to help us get through those three hours. Coming up in just a couple of moments, Ben Goliver of the Washington Post of the Goat NBA podcast. He is going to join us to give his outlook on the Eastern Conference. We've spent a lot of time talking about three teams. Is there a team we're sleeping on? And more importantly, Ben is um, one of the founding members of Giannis, Inc. So uh, we'll see uh, what uh, Ben has for the stock price for Giannis, Inc. and his thoughts on the last two playoff runs. We'll talk with Ben Goliver about 10 minutes from now on the show. After Ben, Bucks Chief Marketing Officer Dustin Godsey is going to join us at the bottom of the hour to let you know what you can expect in this playoff run that the Bucks will have. Uh, we've seen a lot of changes outside of the arena in Deer District, most notably where a lot of these gatherings were held two years ago, even last year. But uh, I think we all remember very fondly two years ago when the Bucks won a title, what Deer District became. Well, the biggest change now is there's a hotel that is nearly complete on one of those lots, and a music venue and soccer field is about to be built on the other one. So we'll get the latest on all of that and any other details we can probe out of Dustin for what you, the fan, need to be aware of for this postseason run. So we'll have those conversations here in the 6 o'clock hour. 7 o'clock hour, we will talk with Camille Davis of the Technical File podcast. You can hear her quite a bit as well. On the locked on Bucks podcast, we will get her thoughts on this Eastern Conference playoff setting here between the Bucks, the Sixers, and uh, the Boston Celtics. Is there such thing as a better path to have, and who does Camille anticipate being the biggest roadblock standing in the way between the Bucks and another NBA Finals appearance, and also the two voices of the Bucks, Dave Kane and Lisa binington um I take. You on a trip and peel the curtain back just a little bit so you get to experience what I do on a nightly basis and uh, some of the conversations and overall uh, back and forth between that duo's the TV voice of the Bucks and uh, the radio voice of the Bucks who I work with on a nightly basis and Dave Kane. But uh, Dave and Lisa Binington will be joining us simultaneously as we get set for this first round playoff series in the eight o'clock hour, the third hour of the show. Gail Kloppa has his conversation with Drew Holiday. So a lot of big names on this show tonight. And a couple of other things we'll get to throughout the course of this show. We've talked a lot about awards so far. But usually when you hear these awards discussions, it's MVP. How legitimate of a chance does Giannis have to win that MVP award? Sixth man of the year. We've seen an uptick in some of that conversation as well with Bobby Portis. Could Bobby Portis insert himself there? and have a chance to be the sixth man. But one of the things we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about is the all NBA teams. And uh, we know Giannis is a lock for the all NBA team. I would assume the Bucks are going to get two players on the all defensive team as well, but uh, some of the other conversations we haven't had quite as much, all defense. I mean, is it possible for the Bucks to have three players on the all defensive team? And more importantly, What are the chances Drew Holiday has? Speaking of Drew Holiday and the conversation you'll hear between he and Gail Kloppa a little bit later on the show, what are the chances that Drew Holiday has to be an all-NBA player? Likely 13, but could Drew Holiday find his way onto that list of essentially the top 15 players in the NBA? There are some changes headed for that and the rest of the awards. We've talked about that in the past Uh, We will go through those changes and how it could impact players like Drew Holiday, and most notably the three guys that are duking it out for the MVP award this season. But uh, we'll get to all of that a little bit later in the show. And I've mentioned this a couple of times on Bucks Talk, but I do have some numbers to share with you that I think uh, Tommy, one of our producers on the show tonight, Tommy Wirtz, I think even you will be blown away by some of these numbers I share when we talk about two names. I'm not going to spoil who the two names are. One is on the Bucks now. One was on the Bucks when they won a championship. I think that should be more than enough to give away who I'm referring to. But some numbers, that will absolutely blow your mind. And while I have you here, uh, Tommy, I suppose we do have to uh, address the TWP. For those of you that are new, the Tommy Wirtz projection system, which uh, a couple of weeks ago had the Bucks somehow... With a greater than one hundred percent chance to get the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, now that did come to fruition before they had the number one seed too. Before they had it, before it was official. But the uh, the TWP also, I believe, had the Miami Heat winning the seven eight play in yep, game. It was 70 percent uh, projections to have the Heat beat Atlanta, and Atlanta smoked them yesterday. They sure did. So the Atlanta Hawks are going to be playing the Boston Celtics in the first round. We do not know who the Bucks' first-round opponent is yet. We won't know that until Friday, but by the time this show ends, we'll know the two teams that are left to potentially be playing the Bucks in the first round because you've got the Chicago Bulls in Toronto to take on the Raptors in a game that's just about to tip off tonight. The winner of that game will go to Miami to take on the Heat, and the winner of that game will then come to Milwaukee to face the Bucks on Sunday. We do have some time to hear from you as well, whether you're listening on WTMJ, 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee, or 101.7 The Truth. The number to join us on tonight's show, 855-616-1620, the Trimalcast Cast Supersized Edition. Of Bucks Weekly. Three stations, three hours. We needed three hours to be on all three stations for the show tonight. So, plenty of time to hear from you throughout the course of this show as well. And uh, I have one question. When you look back, look, the season as a whole isn't done yet. We hope it's not done for two more months. But when we look back at the regular season, you will remember the Bucks regular season. How? What is the one thing? That stands out the most. I have an answer. I'll share that with you a little bit later on in the show, uh, Tommy. I don't want to catch you flat-footed. I'm imagining you don't have an answer just yet, so I'll give you some time to plug it into the TWP and come up with uh, what they say is the one lasting takeaway from this regular season. Remember, regular season only, because we haven't gotten to the postseason just yet. But I do want to remind you: Sunday, four thirty tip. That is game one. At Fiserv Forum. 4 o'clock is when our Bucks Radio Network pregame coverage will begin with Dave Kane and yours truly. And 3 o'clock is when our extended pregame coverage gets started on Bucks Shootaround with Greg Matzik. That'll be live from inside of Fiserv Forum. So we'll get you set starting at 3 for Game 1 of the postseason. From there, Game 2 at Fiserv Forum will be Wednesday. One week from tonight, Wednesday, April 19th, 8 o'clock tip. An 8 p.m. tip in Milwaukee for Game 2 between the Bucks and TBD. Game 3 is going to be Saturday, so you already see two days off in between both of those games. You get two days off between Game 1 and 2, two days off between Game 2 and Game 3. And, and what does that mean for some of the guys that we saw listed on the injury report just yesterday, as the team returned to the uh, to the practice floor, Chris Middleton was a participant in practice. That's the good news. It appears he's ramping up and may be ready when the uh, playoffs begin for the Bucs on Sunday. Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton both limited. So you may not see them early, but you do have a lot of off time built in with the way this schedule is set up. So Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, those are your first three games. Saturday game, by the way, will be a 6-30 tip on the road, wherever it is the Bucks are playing. Right now, we know that will be Miami, Toronto, or Chicago, where the Bucks will be on Saturday night. And Game 4 will be Monday the 24th. No tip time revealed for that just yet. If you need Games 5 through 7, we hope you don't, Wednesday, April 26th, Friday, April 28th, and Saturday, April 30th. So right there you see as well, starting with Game 4, the extended days off, is gone so if you can take care of this in four not only are you moving on to the second round you're going to get some rest in between there and you may get rest as well if that four or five matchup goes long between the cavaliers and the knicks a lot of time to take a look at the rest of the eastern conference we'll do that as the show rolls along and again we got time to hear from you as well eight five five six one six one six twenty is the number to join us tonight. On this extended edition of Bucks Weekly. When we come back, though, my friend Ben Golliver from the Washington Post will join us to share his thoughts on the Eastern Conference playoff outlook and on Giannis bracing for another deep postseason run. We'll talk with Ben Golliver after this. It's Bucks Weekly, the trimalcast on WTMJ, ESPN Milwaukee, and one oh one seven The Truth. Game is just three hours, three stations on WTMJ, ESPN Milwaukee, and 101.7 The Truth. Joining me now, a longtime Giannis Truther, one of the founding members of Giannis Inc. You can read his work on the Washington Post. You can listen to him on the GOAT NBA podcast as well. He is Ben Golliver. And uh, Ben, I'm going to start by making you look into the crystal ball first and foremost and tell me, who are the Bucks playing in the first round?
2: Well, you know, look, I, I kind of feel like I did the other night. If you're a Celtics fan, you were rooting hard for the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, that's a much easier matchup for them. And I think if you're the Bucks, you're probably rooting for the Chicago Bulls. I mean, you've seen them before. You've kind of figured them out. There's a clear talent advantage. Uh, it's the shortest amount of travel. I know that's a big deal for these Golden State Warriors, talking about wanting to play the Sacramento Kings. I just feel like that's a known quantity, and, and you're probably the most comfortable there. Obviously, Miami gave them trouble in the playoffs a couple of years ago, and, and you wouldn't necessarily want to go down that road if you didn't have to, although clearly Miami's got some real offensive issues, as we saw, uh, in their loss to Atlanta. Um, and then Toronto, you know, I think people make a lot of their versatility and size, and, know, they've had some success against Giannis. I mean, the playoffs, I think, would be a different deal. They were handled pretty easily by the Philadelphia 76ers in last year's playoffs. But I just think the Bucks match up the best with Chicago. I think they've got a mental edge too. You know, at, at what point in last year's series did you think Chicago had any sort of a chance? And the answer is never. And I think it would be the same deal this time around.
1: Uh, I yeah, I mean, I guess when when Chris Middleton went down, and you thought, well, if somebody else goes down, then this can get interesting. But but to your point, when Grayson Allen was the guy that was lighting up the Bulls and, and helping the Bucks pull away. I would imagine we would see more of the same, assuming Grayson is is, is healthy for Game One here of uh, of this first round series for the Bucks, beginning on Sunday. But you mentioned some of those teams, and I I think I, look, I, I want to ask you this because we've we've spent it feels like all of the season, but especially the last three months, talking about three teams specifically in the Eastern Conference: in the the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Seventy Sixers. So. When you are the Bucs, you did everything you could to avoid that half of the bracket and give yourself a better shot at getting to the finals. But are people potentially sleeping on the Cavaliers? And I, I, I'll preface with this. I wouldn't pick the Cavaliers to beat the Bucks in a series. But would it be more difficult than people are anticipating? Well, first of all, I want to challenge
2: the premise. Who invited Philadelphia to this party? <laughs> we have to win to get into this conversation. I mean, the Celtics at least made the finals. They've been to the conference finals multiple times. Milwaukee's been to the conference finals multiple times and won a title. What in the world have the Philadelphia 76ers ever done except fall on their face in the second round? It's going to happen again this year. Boston's going to take care of business against Philadelphia. And I think, you know, you, if you want to give Philly credit, they have a nice, you know, comfortable first-round matchup against Brooklyn. They'll probably drop a game in that matchup that they shouldn't lose, but they should be able to take care of the Nets. You know, they, they had a similar deal against a previous version of the Nets a few years ago in the playoffs. I think it's going to be kind of deja vu there, but I don't, I reject this idea that Philly should be considered part of the top tier of the Eastern Conference. I also reject this idea that Joel Embiid has some, had some sort of overwhelming MVP campaign and Doc Rivers is going to come out and say, oh, the race is over. Was the race over when Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic like a week earlier uh, before his big uh, explosion against the Boston Celtics? Was the race over when Giannis completely punked Joel Embiid like three days before that game uh, between the Philadelphia 76ers and uh, the, the Boston Celtics? I don't think so. No one else was saying that. I just think that the Sixers people, they campaign the loudest. They've got a huge vocal media presence who certainly wants to see them finally get over the hump. And they're trying to talk their way into this party. And I'll be the bouncer, man. You're not invited, okay? Now, in in terms of your question about the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, it's a very interesting team because they're built with small guards and big bigs and, like, nothing in between, right? So that's where, you know, Middleton's health and and production, you know, that could be a huge X factor in that series because they just don't really have great, um, you know, uh, counters for what he would be able to do on the wing. Um, I think that, that, to me, they're still a year away, Cleveland is. Um, they had an excellent regular season. They were incredibly steady. If you look at, like, their seeding all year long, it barely changed. They were just rock solid, excellent defensive team. But uh, I think that they're going to have something to prove on offense. And if I am Milwaukee and I've got Drew Holiday, who to me should be in this defensive player of the year conversation, and I can sick him on either Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland and feel like he can really make their life difficult and take away all their easy points, nothing going towards the basket. It's all going to be tough twos and threes um, in that type of series. I think you're feeling pretty good about being able to limit Cleveland offensively and taking care of business in this series. But, um, you know, I think regular season point differential Cleveland was better than Philly. They're pretty close in wins and losses as well. And uh, I do think that there's four pretty darn good teams in the Eastern Conference. But to me, it's a clear top shelf. You know, it would be Milwaukee, Boston. That second tier is Philly, Cleveland. And then to me, it's everybody else. And, and I'm really predicting shock on the eastern side of the bracket.
1: Uh, okay, so I can't believe uh, I'm doing this because it's Bucks Weekly. It's not Sixers Weekly. And it's almost like the, the kid that's raising his hand reminding the teacher, hey, you didn't give us our homework. But I guess I'd say this. Did we not have similar conversations? Uh, look, I agree with most of what you said about Philly, but – if we're being fair, did we present company excluded, did we not have similar conversations about the Bucks prior to 2021?
2: No, I hear what you're saying, but even the Bucks made the Eastern Conference Finals. The Bucks were the best team in the NBA in 2019 record-wise. They made the Eastern Conference Finals and were up 2-0 on Toronto. Of course that series got away from them, but they absolutely had a chance to break through. Joel Embiid is the most discussed, most hyped player in the NBA right now, who has never made a conference finals, he's getting lapped by guys who are way younger than him. Luka Doncic made a uh, Western Conference Finals last year, and Embiid still hasn't done it. So to me, it's, it's I'm trying to keep everybody to the same fair standard, right? Like, you got to be able to prove it either with an amazing regular season where you're kind of blowing the doors off everybody. And Milwaukee's had a number of those in the past. Boston's had some great regular seasons in the past. Or you've got to really step it up in the playoffs and be at your best. And, you know, we've seen the Sixers get swept out of the bubble. We've seen them get, you know, blow a game seven at home to the Atlanta Hawks. It team that's you know, now in the play-in with basically the same uh, the same kind of core players. But I mean, we've seen them lose series and, and blame everybody. Ben Simmons, Doc Rivers, everybody else gets kind of thrown under the bus. And I just think there's a lot of pressure on the 76ers this year to kind of have the breakthrough. And you look at the regular season, 54 wins. Congratulations. At the same range every year between 51 and 54, and uh, they always go home in the second round. So, look, if they can get over the hump, I'll give them their credit, but I just don't think we need to be uh, bending over backwards here to kind of anoint them or to kind of give them credit that they haven't earned. I mean, I thought both Boston and Milwaukee had much better regular seasons than Philadelphia. Philly wasted the first quarter kind of getting up to speed, and then they kind of, you know, low-key – uh, you know, struggled to the finish line. Like I said, Duck and Jokic losing to the Bucs in Milwaukee. You know, dropping some other games on a West Coast road trip. You know, they, they really couldn't beat the good teams on the road, and that's what we've seen great teams do. Milwaukee's definitely, uh, you know, in my opinion, over the years, been more formidable when they come out here to the Western Conference. And I see them in LA or or San Francisco. I mean, it's a, a team that you can kind of picture in your mind's eye winning the title. And, with Philly, I've just never had that feeling about them. But they got a lot of uh, bad karma accumulated between Doc Rivers and James Harden and, and Joel Embiid when it comes to postseason misadventures. And uh, we'll see if they can kind of put that stuff behind them and move forward.
1: So uh, I mentioned at the top, we we're talking with Ben Goliver of the Washington Post and the, the GOAT NBA podcast, I mentioned you were one of the found, founding fathers of Giannis Inc. Are you the founding father? Are you number one? On that board,
2: I take all the I take all the credit, man. Uh, You know, I just remember I was up at a a tavern in Michigan before going to see Michigan football play in Dearborn, Michigan, and everybody at this tavern was watching the Detroit Tigers play baseball. And we're talking about like probably September, October, somewhere around there. And uh, you know, it's kind of late you know late into the baseball season, early in the NBA season. I remember a young youngest going heads up against the kind of a prime athletic LeBron James it was Cavaliers versus Bucks, and I could not believe the fearlessness the athleticism the dunk parade I mean these were the days when everybody just wanted to shoot threes 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 I, mean, I hadn't really adjusted back to this idea that you could kind of pound people inside once you spread everything out and it was just like a revelation like who is this kid where is he coming from like uh, how did he get so much better than he was when he got drafted? I mean, his his amount of improvement was just incredible. And I remember saying, this guy is going to be able to be, you know, the one of the faces of the NBA in about three or four years. And sure enough, you fast forward and look, I mean, that, that 2021 title, 50-piece in the clinching game, you know, doing it on one leg after the injury. I mean, this is stuff that – Disney movies are made of it. And sure enough, now he's got his own Disney movie too. So it's uh, it's been a great journey for Giannis, and it's a shame to me that everyone's trying to talk about Embiid versus Jokic as this year's MVP. Give me a break. Best player on best team. Best overall player. Best two-way player. They won 75% of the games practically when he was on the court this year. Um, I it's, everybody's overthinking it. You know, they're just getting lost in all these conversations and sympathy because Embiid's never won one and you know, fixation with Jokic's advanced stats. I mean, I don't understand how it got so overcomplicated. Like, back in the day, Kareem would get the MVP constantly. MJ would get the MVP constantly. And like there'd be a lot of guys who would win over and over and over again because there was this consensus that, look, they're just the, the baddest dude in the NBA. They're the, the biggest fish. Let's go ahead and reward them. That's where Giannis has been for these last couple of years, and uh, somehow people just aren't giving it to due. It, it's crazy to me. And I was glad he came out and told Chris Haynes basically that, saying, I I think I've been the MVP for five years. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to go out there and campaign for it, but just, you know, that's how he views himself. And uh, that's how I view him as well. I mean, it's been an incredibly dominant stretch. You know, this year his numbers haven't really been done since Will Chamberlain. It's crazy. And to me, the hardest thing to do during this regular season was to win in volume. The main storyline all year was parody, parody, parody. Everybody else has injuries. You know, the Warriors have injuries, they come back to the pack. The Lakers have injuries, they come back to the pack. The Suns have injuries, they come back to the pack. Milwaukee had injuries, and they're leading the pack with the most wins in the league. I don't get how that's not an MVP case that should be bulletproof. Uh,
1: I say all of that to to point out, look, Ben Goliver has uh, has been down with the Bucks from and Giannis from day one as one of the national guys. You look at the three games the Bucs have played against the Celtics this season, how much concern do you take from that
2: it's gonna be a dogfight you know as long as we get to that series that is other than the possibility of Kevin Durant going and facing the Golden State Warriors you know in the Western Conference Finals I mean there's just so many layers to that if it's Katie versus Steph I'd say that's probably the number one most anticipated matchup for me personally um, because you just got the dynasty stakes there right but number two and easily the best matchup in the Eastern Conference would be Boston Milwaukee I think that People tend to, to focus on this idea like you know, Milwaukee could have won that series if, last year if they had Chris Middleton. I think that's totally true. They could have won that series last year if they didn't have Middleton, if Horford and, and Jason Tatum did just get red hot when they happened to get red hot. There was incredible timing of the big performances from the Celtics last year. But I also think had Milwaukee kept P.J. Tucker and had him for that series, I think they could have won that series if they just had one more perimeter defender because the threes wound up, you know, catching up to them, and they just didn't have quite enough versatile lineups and experienced lineups to be able to counter Boston. And so, you know, clearly Milwaukee doesn't have P.J. Tucker this year, but uh, they do have Middleton. They are going to have Jay Crowder. Kind of a mixed bag there, I would say, so far this year. But I think the lineups and matchups are going to be more favorable for – Milwaukee than they were last year. And that was such a tight series. Now on the Boston side, you know, they got some key guys who are a little bit older, especially Horford. So you're going to circle him. You're going to wonder about Robert Williams' health and availability. That was kind of a question in last year's playoffs. And then you add Brogdon to the mix where, you know, it's kind of playing your former team and you're, you know, you're in a very clearly defined role leading a really quality bench unit. Like, you know, Boston's got a lot going for it. Um, I would like to see both these teams play in the first round before casting an official pick, but I guess my initial prediction would be that I think this version of Celtics versus Bucks is going to be the best series between those two teams that we've seen um, over the years, and there's been a couple of them, right? Uh, earlier in Giannis' career and yep. last year as well. So I think it's going to be sort of the rubber match, right? Um, it's going to be the, the 3 threequel or whatever you want to call it, and it's going to be the one everybody wants to tune into.
1: He is Ben Golliver. You can read his work on the Washington Post. You can listen to him on the GOAT NBA podcast. Ben, always good to catch up with you. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you in Milwaukee late in the playoffs once again.
2: Well, hey, May and June, Michigan sounds perfect to me. So I, I'll be there. I'll be there, there, there. How about that?
1: All right, sounds good. Ben Goliver of the Washington Post and uh, the GOAT NBA podcast. Uh, when we come back... We will give you a peek behind the curtain at what you can expect in the postseason for the Bucks. As the chief marketing officer of the Bucks, Dustin gotzi joins us after this on the playoff edition of Bucks Weekly. Back to Bucks Weekly, the playoff edition. <laughs> Late in the first quarter in Toronto, Raptors are up seven on the Bulls, 23-16. Loser of this game is eliminated from the postseason, and the winner will go to Miami to face the Heat on Friday. Whoever wins that game will be in Milwaukee starting Sunday to take on the Bucks. who's uh, someone in Milwaukee right now is the Chief Marketing Officer for the Milwaukee Bucks, Dustin Godsey, joining us on the show now. Um, happy playoffs to you, as I know we all love this time of year. And for you and your team especially, there is always a lot going on, but especially once we get to the spring. So I guess, first and foremost, what's new that the Bucks, and I know that's a very vague question, but what is new that Bucks fans can expect for this postseason run this year?
3: Yeah, I think for us, uh, as you said, Chuck- it's, it's that time of the year. We are we're cranking and going through. We're going to have a lot of, you know, bring a lot of that playoff energy and excitement. And you know, fans who come down to a, a regular season game and they've also experienced playoff games with Pfizer Forum know it's a a completely different atmosphere. And and you know, the focus really turns to to what's going on in the court. And, and we're going to have a lot going on surrounding that from, you know, new you know uh, concession items and you know, Pete's, local Pete's pops is going to be in in the building to. Um, you know, lighting enhancements and and really everything that you know we we kind of start start small in the first round and then hope to build as as we go through with that experience. But um, you know, it's nice to nice to see that playoff signage around Deer District again.
1: That was uh, going to be the next thing I pointed out is in, in the last couple of years, obviously Deer District and, and the gatherings that we've seen there have have become one of the larger talking points. But among Bucks fans. It seems to be the signage that we see go up outside the arena. It's at the Milwaukee Public Market as well. But uh, watching Bucks fans walk past Fiserv Forum and seeing some of the signage go up and also seeing, okay, who's going to be on the playoff banner this year?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's sort of one of those, you know, kind of... You've got Brewers opening day and then, you know, Bucks playoffs and the signage coming up of, you know, kind of those signs of spring coming through, which is, has been nice to see, you know, kind of annually as we've gone through uh, going through the last few years. So it's been a lot of fun. We've you know, expanded that throughout the Deer District and, you know, I think every guy on the, the roster uh, is, is represented somewhere through there. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun to continue to do that and, and continue to change that up and, and freshen it each year.
1: Uh, you also, I wouldn't say broke news, but I'm sure one of the questions that you got quite a bit these last few weeks centered around the floor that the Bucks were playing on, and you gave a little bit of an update there.
3: Yeah, it's been crazy to see, and, and you know, I love it. I love the fact that that fans are so invested in, in what the court's going to look like and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, we, you know, unfortunately had had some repairs we had to do to our, our standard green, you know, court court back in February and. We've been pushing and, and working with the the manufacturers and, and that sort of thing to get it done. And we you know, are expecting to to receive the court back in next week, uh, and should be you know we'll be on on the blue court and the black uniforms in games one and two against whoever it is that we face. And then uh, when we come back to Milwaukee, uh, we'll be we'll be on a, a updated court an updated green court um, that'll be a little bit different in in appearance than. Than the green court people remember,
1: and uh, as you mentioned, the black jerseys—that's what they'll wear in the first two games, and it's just three jerseys in the playoffs. So it's the black, the white, and the green that we'll be seeing.
3: Yeah, we really wanted to go back to you know kind of the core identity and and go through with those those main three that, that fans are used to seeing and really represent the Bucks brand year in and year out. Um, and then we'll be back with a, a new you know city edition uh, jersey next next fall.
1: How much of your inbox and DMs is from Bucks fans trying to get some type of a sneak peek at? Hey, what is the City Edition jersey going to look like this upcoming year?
3: It continues to be one of those things that um, you know fans have, have really planned for, and, and it's been fun to, to see that. And we start getting questions as soon as we unveil one. You know, what's the next year going to look like, and, and people kind of guessing through it. I will say. You know, next year's is not anything anybody's going to necessarily expect. Um, certainly true within within the box, but the storytelling within the the uniform itself is is pretty special. I'm looking forward to that.
1: How how far in advance are these set?
3: Uh, we we the jersey design cycle is about two years. So right now we've we've done through the 24 uh, 25 season.
1: Not anything Bucks fans will expect. I'll I'll see if. Uh... See if I can't try to probe some more out of you as this this playoff <laughs> run goes on. But as we mentioned, a lot of new stuff as well. You mentioned the food items, uh, gatherings as always in Fisor, or in Deer District, and uh, just a lot going on as, as we get ready. It's that time of year for the playoffs, and uh, Dustin certainly has quite a bit to do with that. The chief marketing officer of the Milwaukee Bucks, Dustin Godsey, always good to catch up with you. I'll see you this Sunday. Absolutely.
3: great. Thanks for having me, Justin.
1: All right, so the the little nugget that he gave there, I know I'm very curious. He's New Jersey's the city edition, not anything anyone would expect. Uh we'll reset also when we were talking with Ben Golliver, he kind of led into what I was mentioning before. He mentioned those two names, PJ Tucker and Jay Crowder. We'll take a look at some of those numbers. For PJ Tucker's start in a Bucks uniform versus what we've seen from Jay Crowder, I'll share those numbers after this on the playoff edition of Bucks Weekly. Bucks Weekly, the playoff edition continues. Just a couple of minutes ago, we uh, we talked with a man who was a one since day one when it comes to Giannis and the Bucks. The founding father of Giannis Inc., Ben Golliver, and he mentioned something that I think we heard a little bit of last year from Bucks fans, but the chatter died down coming into this season, and that was the name PJ Tucker. So, uh, Ben was one of the first national guys I heard point out hey, you know, I think if the Bucks still had PJ Tucker, even without Chris, they win that series because they can match up. A little better with the Boston Celtics on the perimeter. I've talked about many times on this show, on Bucks talk, especially going back to that series against the Celtics, and I don't want to keep plowing over the same patch of grass here, but when you look at some of the minutes played, it wasn't just the injury to Chris Middleton that really changed things. It was the overall depth that the Bucks didn't have a season ago that they do have now. When we talked about, look, here were the guys that were right up there with Giannis. Giannis and Drew clearly had the most minutes played. But then after that, it was basically like a four-way tie between Wesley Matthews, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis were up there as well with minutes played. That was it. That was all the Bucs had. So to Ben's point... You didn't have any of those other guys you could throw out there and say, look, Jason Tatum's on a heater. Derek White. We need somebody to throw them out there and just get a hand in their face and slow them down. Wesley Matthews did a tremendous job, but you needed Wesley Matthews for 48 minutes. You needed Drew for 48 minutes, and we saw the Bucks just didn't have the horses. Enter Jay Crowder. Now, we've made and we've seen a lot of comparisons between Jay Crowder and P.J. Tucker. Right around the time the Bucs were linked to Jay Crowder, it felt like the worst-kept secret in the NBA. Jay Crowder was going to be a member of the Bucks, And then I think he started to go on all these twists and turns where it was like, I think the Bucs will get Jay Crowder. The old adage of where there's smoke, there's fire. We kept seeing that smoke with Jay Crowder. He wanted to be in Milwaukee. Suns, for whatever reason, didn't want him anymore. And the Bucs were obviously interested. As You continue to hear reports. Hey, the Bucs have checked in on this situation. They're kicking the tires on Jay Crowder. Then he gets traded when Kevin Durant becomes available. And I think a lot of us started to wonder, well, is he still going to end up in Milwaukee? In a trade very similar to some of the other deadline deals, P.J. Tucker specifically, who you needed the matching salary. That was D.J. Wilson and D.J. Augustine. And four second-round picks. You end up getting Jay Crowder for matching salary including a young player that the Bucks drafted fans loved initially in Jordan Wara and five second round draft picks. So there's similarity number one. They both played for the Miami Heat. Similarity number two. They both basically said coming into the season, I know where we're headed here. I don't want to be on this team anymore, but I'm not going to make a scene. And it became month-long speculation of where they're going to end up. Similarity number three. Similarity number four is potentially the biggest of those similarities. I will tell you what it is. After this, a closer look at the numbers and similarity number four. We'll get into that conversation next on the playoff edition of Bucks Weekly.
0: Now we're back to Bucks Weekly, the playoff edition. Money
4: talks. Here comes the money.
1: All right, so that fourth similarity that I promised you. I know there was a lot of frustration over P.J. Tucker when he joined the Bucks, Jay Crowder when he joined the Bucks. We saw, hey, those minutes immediately ticked upward for Jay Crowder. P.J. Tucker took a little bit of time. And remember, P.J. was very, very forthright with... I wasn't necessarily a fan of how the Bucks onboarded me and, and, and had that on ramp of all right, we, we do things at our speed. Let's let's take our time to get you back out there on the floor. He felt he could have been thrown into the fire immediately, but acknowledged at the end of the season it was it was probably best. They had me ready to go by the time the postseason rolled around. With Jay Crowder, I know there's been a lot of complaints of why why is Jay Crowder only getting twelve minutes in this game? There was always a plan as we have come to learn with this front office. And I, I offer this up. P.J. Tucker, in 2021, played 20 games with the Bucs, regular season only, 20 games, 397 minutes in those 20 games. Jay Crowder, this season with the Bucks has played 18 games, 340 minutes in those 18 games, from Jay Crowder. Now, I'm not going to compare, hey, here's the rebounds and here's the, the points scored and steals because Jay Crowder fills the stat sheet more than P.J. Tucker does. His value lies elsewhere. But we had that conversation over, why isn't Jay Crowder playing as much? 340 minutes in 18 games? That equates to basically 19 minutes a game that Jay Crowder has played regular season in a Bucks uniform. P.J. Tucker, in those 20 games, again, nearly identical, averaged just over 19 minutes a game. When you check out the game logs as well, it is uncanny how the minutes have gradually started to tick upward. We've seen that with Jay the last couple of games. Part of that is the Bucks were able to rest those last few games, but three of the last four games, we've seen 24 minutes or more, close to 24 minutes, From Jay Crowder, you've kind of started to take the training wheels off for Jay Crowder, and it's basically what we saw for P.J. Tucker. They're not a like-for-like player, so I do want to stress that. Jay Crowder isn't going to be your small ball five, but we saw what he brings defensively. I know it's regular season. We saw what he brings defensively, though, last week of the season. When you thought about a switching-style defense where you can go from Drew Holiday, oh, they want to set a screen to get Drew off of the man, there's Jay Crowder. Uh-oh, we got to set another screen. There's Giannis. Or you turn the corner and you're funneled right into Brooke Lopez. So by the numbers, 2 t this is exactly how the Bucs handled P.J. Tucker and got him up to speed when he joined the team two years ago and ultimately helped lead the Bucks to an NBA championship. And again, in the playoffs, which I would anticipate to see the same here with the uh, with Jay Crowder in the playoffs, when that began, you saw those minutes spike even more for PJ Tucker in the postseason. We'll take one more look at the scoreboard and uh, take a preview or give you a preview of our number two after this on the playoff edition of Bucks Weekly. And it started when the Bucks really started their ascent. The first two games of that Brooklyn series were a disaster, as we all remember. Like four games of the Heat series, you blew them off the floor. But from game three onward, 33 minutes, 30 minutes, 33 minutes, 34 minutes, 38 minutes, 34 minutes, you saw the minutes really start to pick up for P.J. Tucker. And uh, I would assume we're going to see the same for Jay Crowder. I mentioned he's been around 24 minutes in three of the last uh, four games played. And before he missed five games late in the season – you start to see those minutes picking up again where he's 20 or more minutes in three or four games before that injury, just a little bit of a setback. So I expect some big things and big minutes, more importantly, for for a Jay Crowder, almost said P.J. Tucker, for Jay Crowder in this postseason run here for the Bucks. The game that's in action right now is in Toronto. Raptors lead the Bulls 48-41. to Winner goes to Miami to take on the Heat Friday night. Winner of that game faces the Bucs. On Sunday, our number two comes your way after this. It's the playoff edition of Bucks Weekly.
0: The regular season is over. Next up, another championship. This is Bucks Weekly, the playoff version. Now, here's your host, Justin Garcia.
1: It's a supersized edition of Bucks Weekly on WTMJ, on ESPN Milwaukee, and 1017 The Truth. And joining me now. You can hear her quite a bit on the Locked On Bucks podcast, also on the Technical Foul podcast. She's Camille Davis. Um, we just talked about a week or so ago, and it feels like we've been having the same conversation the last couple of weeks <laughs> on the uh, on the Locked On Bucks podcast. Over, man, who, who do you think the Bucks are going to play in the first round, or what is this path to the uh, the finals look like? Potentially, we have a bit more clarity. We're just waiting to see who that first round opponent is. Um, but I guess we start with getting the number one overall seed, and it's something that really started to become more and more possible What back in January when this team got healthy, but they secured it. I guess first and foremost, how surprised were you that they were able to hold off the Boston Celtics for that one seed?
5: You know, that's a really good question, because coming into the season, I thought that the Bucks would probably finish maybe second or third in the East, just given the fact that um, they're a more veteran team. They've been here before. And I expected them to be resting guys throughout the season a little bit, just trying to keep legs fresh for the playoffs, given the fact, like I said, they're a more veteran team. But uh, when you combine that with the fact of how hot Boston started off, I wasn't sure if the lead that Boston built was going to be able to be caught. But it is a long season. And the Bucks went on that crazy win streak, which helped them uh, catch up to Boston in the the standings. Then Milwaukee kept playing well. Um, like you said, guys got healthy. Guys started learning how to play together, understanding, and here we are, number one seed. So I'm a little surprised at it, but once they ran off that win streak, it seemed like it was in the realm of possibility for them to be able to finish a top seed in the East. My whole um, back and forth with it was that I just didn't want the Bucks to go out here at the cost of health, um, on the line, get the number one seed, and then walk into the playoffs really banged up, hurt, and, you know, just not at the most healthiest peak form that they could be in April, given the fact that most guys have some kind of aches and and bumps right now after a long 82-game season. So a little surprised uh, based on my preseason thoughts, but as I saw this team starting to play, and Boston also went on their slump as well, um, it wasn't that surprised at the end to see that they were able to capture it as much. But they did make it interesting down the stretch because um there were a couple games there. I'm not sure if they're gonna be able to hold off Boston and then we had the game against Boston and then we followed that up with the win against Philly. So um it was a it was a fun, fun road to number one seed. And I don't think that they did it at the expense of health, which makes me happy, although um some guys are going to the playoffs with a couple of injuries, but those were just part of the game. So I'm all right with
1: that. So you, you bring it up. I, I was going to ignore it, but I guess we should address the elephant in the room, and that is that final game against the Boston Celtics on March 30th. So, look, we can point to the schedule that the Bucks had. It was night two of a back-to-back. It was, uh, I believe it was actually six games in nine days. We keep talking about five and seven. It was a lot of games in not a whole lot of time, and the Celtics did have quite a bit of rest. Uh, but, look, every team has to go through that, so it's it's certainly not an excuse and especially for the Celtics to play the way they did. That being said, we've known from the start that if you're going to reach the finals, in all likelihood, you're going to have to get past Boston at some point. So how concerned are you with the three games we've seen against the Celtics this season?
5: The Bucks haven't looked great in those games, if we're being completely honest. The Celtics have appeared to be um, just... A little bit more you know ready for that moment when we when we match up but one thing I'd be interested in seeing because I agree with you that if you're coming out the east you're going to have to see one of Milwaukee or Boston I personally feel as if Milwaukee Boston uh, will be the eastern conference uh, finals this year so you got to be able to beat them if you want to get to another ring and I'm just curious to see, because I know in the regular season, especially what you mentioned with their most recent matchup, with that being the sixth game in nine days on the second night of a back-to-back where they've been through all this different altitude and travel, you know, in the playoffs, the games are spread out a little bit more. You know your opponent. The travel isn't that severe. So I am curious, too, with a little bit more game time and a little bit more time to plan for an actual opponent, uh, how the Bucks will come out looking, given all the different new pieces we have on the team this year uh joe Ingles didn't look great (laughs) defensively against boston um they were giving him the grayson allen treatment so i'm curious to see um, if he is playing in that series what that'll look like but i don't want to get too far ahead about thinking about what that matchup might be because we got to get there first uh and i have confidence that the bucks can this is a team that i think is really uh built to contend for a championship it's a deep team Giannis is still at the peak of his powers um some concerns around chris middleton but reports seem as if he's going to be able to come into the playoffs and start playing right away. So hopefully the first round matchup can kind of get him warmed up and back into a rhythm because he was starting to establish a rhythm uh, until that that injury there. So it was kind of like one step forward, two steps back. So I'm hoping that's the last setback for Chris. The third time is a charm for him when it comes to the return to the court. And um, Like the Bucks' chances, they might be seen as an underdog against Boston, looking ahead again, but um, they have a team to compete. And I just want to see what that uh, matchup looks like when the Bucks have a little bit more time to game plan with less travel, able to really focus on that matchup.
1: No, and that's a good point. I mean, we do have to get there first, so we, we shouldn't spend a whole lot of time talking. Hey, what about the Bucks and the Celtics? But I, I <laughs> assuming that's what we get, I would be very curious to see how the betting odds are shifted and who is the actual favorite. In that series, because it's been all season long. We've talked about, hey, these are the, the best two teams in the league. A, a part of me does recognize, look, we've we've paid all this attention to the Bucks and the Celtics. Joel Embiid has gotten a lot of attention, but are, are we also maybe underselling the Sixers just a little bit? So um, the the big point is you avoided the path that uh, I, I wouldn't say would be a disaster because the Bucks basically went through a similar path or thought they would have to two years ago in having to play both of those teams. So that's the big part for the Bucks, but again as you caution don't get ahead of ourselves. I think we're both under the assumption the Bucks are going to win and whoever it is in the against the 8 seed they're going to beat them. Probably yeah. make make quick work of them. It remains to be seen who it will be. But in the second round, Camille, am I Look, I would not pick the Knicks or the Cavs to beat the Bucks in a series. But let's say Cleveland wins it. Are we maybe sleeping on the Cavs just a little too much? Because nobody's mentioning them, and I think a lot of Bucks fans as well are assuming, hey, if it's Bucks and Cavs in the second round, that, that should be an easy series and we might win that in five.
5: Yeah, and I don't blame a lot of Bucks fans for feeling that way. I would, as you mentioned, caution not to take any opponent lightly. Uh going to looking at the Western Conference, I feel similar about the Sacramento Kings, where it's like there's No one really talking about Sacramento, like understanding they're going against the Warriors, but like they proved over the 82 that they're a good team. And Cleveland did the exact same thing this year, albeit in a very different way than what Sacramento did. And their defense is for real. They have a dynamite guard with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Like it's, they're a good, a good, good, good team. They don't have much playoff experience in that way. Um, And for a lot of Bucks fans, I feel like the LeBron Jameless Cavaliers have been looked at more of like a little brother team, where Mm -hmm. the Bucks have become the big brother over the last five years, running the conference or running the division, the Central, not really worrying about what Cleveland's doing too much. And this summer, I mean, last year we saw the beginning of what Cleveland has morphed into this season, and then they trade for Donovan Mitchell and opens up so much more for them to have another dynamic guard out there. So, I think Cleveland's a team that should be taken seriously. I don't think that if the Bucs see, sees Cleveland in the playoffs, that it'll be easy work in any means. I don't think that it's going to be a sweep, probably not even a gentleman's sweep. I think that game, that series would go at least six games. Uh, Cleveland is is a really good team, and they'd be a great opponent to have before you get to that next round against either uh, Boston or Philly, assuming that one of those two teams would be waiting there for the Eastern Conference Finals. But to your point, again, yeah, Cleveland is for real. And although I think the Bucs would beat Cleveland, I want to be clear about that. I do think they're a really good team, and if the Bucks don't bring their A game, or if God forbid something happens to you know somebody on the team, and then you know injuries come into account, that it might change the dynamics of that matchup, and it could go Cleveland's way. So, knocking on wood for some for a healthy postseason for the Bucks, and with them healthy, I really do like their chances against Cleveland.
1: Yeah, and to me, that's that's the big thing. Is we've we've just. You know, it's been a three-team race that we've put all the focus on, and meanwhile, the Cavs have just been kind of like, "Hey, we're we're here too, and, and we think we're pretty good." And all the numbers that we usually highlight and, and and single out and say, "Hey, this is why this team is good," like point differential and net mm-hmm. rating and. De- the Cavs have been the best or one of the best in all of those numbers for basically most of the season so I would caution I, I don't know that a second round matchup with the Cavs would be as easy as a lot of people uh, think it would be but again as, as we both said we both assume the Bucks would win that series but it would be uh, there'd be some difficulty and some challenges with that Cavs team but before I, I do let you go so obviously Giannis is incredibly important to this team and how far they go. But uh, if there was another player or even an aspect of how the Bucks play, one thing you would point to is, hey, this may be the X factor for how deep the Bucks go in the playoffs. What would that be? Mm,
5: that's a really good question. Health, of course, but that goes without saying. So when you're looking at the roster – I think an obvious one to look at is just the what Chris Middleton looks like when he gets back on the court. Because again, it's been a really weird season with Chris, you know, this whole knee thing that's been happening. He came out and mentioned that, you know, it's not unusual for him to experience this discomfort in his knee. It's something that happens to him generally every off season And he's normally dealt with an it offseason. It's just that this has been the first time that it's happened during the season. Has caused some setbacks. As mentioned before, he's now getting ready to make his third return back into the lineup um, come Sunday when the playoffs kick off for the Bucks. So uh, he's had some time off here. The whole team has, but he's had a little bit more time. And while he's had that time off, he's been rehabbing. So I'll be very curious to see what the play of Chris Middleton looks like throughout the playoffs. I think he's a really crucial point. And Bucks fans, we've gotten used to thinking Chris Middleton as our number two. And he's proved to be a great one. We don't win a championship without Chris Middleton. But one thing that's been interesting with this season is just watching how Drew Holiday has stepped up in Chris's absence. Um, So we know that Drew can do it, but we also know in the playoffs that the intensity is ramped up. The minute load is ramped up. And Drew Holiday is going to give everything he has on the defensive end of the court. And he's admitted himself that sometimes with him doing that, he doesn't have as much energy on offense. So, again, it points to why Chris Middleton is so important, although we've seen Drew take some strides this year. um, In addition to Chris, if he isn't able to give us what we're used to seeing him giving him, you know, 20 points a game or whatever the case may be, and creating shots, it'll be really interesting to see how the Bucs use Brooke Lopez because – even thinking about some of these other matchups we've had with these Eastern conference teams, depending on when we saw them, the usage of Brooke Lopez has changed a little bit since all-star break, you know, less three point shots going up, more work inside the arc. So it'll be curious to see how they use him offensively as well. When it comes to the bucks defense is not a problem that I, or an issue that I have with them, but I would be looking at the defense of guys like Joe Ingles, Grayson Allen, when he returns, um, it's going to be a team effort. It's a lot of different guys you could look at it and point to as being like, this is going to be an important piece of the puzzle to win another championship. And the first one I will go to, of course, is Chris, but Chris, Brooke, Grayson, uh, Joe, even Javon Carter coming off the bench as that backup guard. Like it's going to be a complete team effort. And if these guys don't show up and give us at least what they did in the regular season um, on a consistent basis over these, you know, series, it's going to be tough business for the Bucs, no matter how amazing Giannis is, because we saw Giannis being amazing last year against Boston. We saw Drew Holiday clamping up, and they still were just missing a little bit more offense because when the Bucks or when Boston really shut down Giannis, the Bucs really couldn't do too much else. So um, that offense is a very big part of that. And Chris Middleton, I think, is, of course, crucial to it, but especially with him coming off of the injuries and the re injuries and the rehab. So just seeing how he's able to play uh, will be. Big for the Bucks.
1: Yeah, injuries have have unfortunately been one of the stories of the season. But but I guess the good news is how this team has weathered the storm and the guys that have stepped up. Those names that you mentioned too, Brooke Lopez and, and Drew Holiday. I think the biggest ones, and Javon Carter too, for that matter. Kind of the under the radar. He's been the guy keeping things steady for the Bucks with those big names out of the lineup. You can hear her on the Technical Foul Podcast and as a regular regular contributor on the Lockdown Bucks. Podcast as well. Camille, always great to catch up with you, and I'm sure uh, we will be talking again soon.
5: Absolutely. Have a good one.
1: Camille Davis of the Technical File Podcast, and again, uh, you can hear her frequently on Locked On Bucks as well. Take a break here when we come back. We will get you up to speed on that other playing tournament game as we move closer and closer. To who it is, the Bucs will be playing. We'll get into that after this. It's Bucks Weekly, the trimal Cast on WTMJ, ESPN Milwaukee, and 101.7 The Truth. All right, my thanks to Camille Davis for her time on the program tonight. I will get you up to speed here on that game that has some implications for the Bucs. It's at halftime in Toronto, and the Raptors lead the Bulls 58-47 to Fred Van Vliet with a buzzer beater half court heave to send us into halftime. An 11 point lead for the Toronto Raptors. And the Bulls just two made three pointers at halftime. So, one of the issues with this Bulls team, and you heard Ben Golliver's thoughts in our number one. Again, the winner of this game goes to Miami to play the Heat on Friday night. Whoever wins that game is who the Bucks will play in the first round. With game one Sunday afternoon at Fiserv Forum. When we come back, had a chance to catch up with Dave Kane and Lisa Binington, the radio and TV, voices of the Bucks, together at the same time, sharing their thoughts on two years in seat here and the season we just witnessed. Regular season from the Milwaukee Bucks. So catch up with Dave and Lisa after this. It's the playoff edition of Bucks Weekly of Bucks weekly as we get you set for the playoffs which begin this weekend we know the Bucks are going to be playing Sunday inside of Fiserv Forum it will be a 4 30 tip. we're just waiting to see who that first round opponent will be and uh, joining me now want to do something a little special here as uh we have the radio voice of the Bucks and the TV voice of the Bucks Dave Kane and Lisa Binington both joining me now. And uh, Guys, I, I think I, I speak for everyone, uh, I'm going to assume at least, when I say you are probably devastated that uh, we have a week between games here, wrapping up the season Sunday in Toronto and now not getting back on the floor until, uh, until this weekend. Whatever will you do with that time off?
6: It's been very difficult, Justin, as you might imagine, um, but I, I can't speak for Lisa but, Lisa, but I'm pushing through, especially with the weather being as it is right now. It's, it's, it's been a real hard lift.
7: <laughs> it's rough being uh, an NBA broadcaster while you're just waiting for an opponent uh, basking in the sun and having an adult beverage and watching all these playing games.
1: <laughs> tough life we it's, have. Uh, it's, it is it is a very tough life. Yeah. So as as you mentioned there and as we've mentioned, uh, we, we obviously don't know who the Bucks' first round opponent is going to be. We know it is not going to be the Atlanta Hawks and uh, we won't find that out until friday so we'll take a little bit of a look at that uh, play-in tournament and what we could possibly see in just a minute but if i asked you guys what's your biggest memory of the regular season where we saw quite a bit your biggest takeaway from those 82 games would be what i'll start with you lisa
7: you know i think it was the the incredible streaks that this team was able to go on and and the fact that they began the season with a bang you know winning the first nine straight something that's never been done Uh, a season hasn't started that way before in Milwaukee Bucks history and then to I think this franchise really does a great job obviously led by Bud Mike Budenholzer and his staff to self-scout themselves and understand what their strengths and weaknesses are And though, you know, they were a top five team going into the end of January, they realized they weren't quite at the championship level that they wanted to be at. So that. Detroit Pistons game where they had everyone available up until Bobby Portis got hurt, but you know they started to make some adjustments um, after that January twenty third game, as we know and loyal Bucks followers know that you know the the pace of play increased, um, you know shots were taken at a more frequent pace, and um, and and those were the kind of things that they felt like some of the adjustments that they needed to make. So that was part of their sixteen game win streak. So I think it's the nine game win streak, the sixteen game win streak that was really telling for me um, to start out the season with such a bang um, the way they did. And then just to be able to self-evaluate themselves of, okay, we're good. We're a top five team, but we're not quite there yet. And what are the adjustments that we need to make?
6: Well, since, since Lisa took uh, 25 games of the season from me here, um, where am I going to go? You know, I, I think honestly, uh, kidding aside, I think that from the Bucks' perspective, to me, the most memorable piece of this season to this point has been watching the impact of what Brooke Lopez has brought to this team. I mean, I, both of us a year ago, Lisa and I, in our first season, we didn't really get the the luxury of seeing Brooke Lopez and his impact on this team. We kind of heard about what he does and how he changes things for this defense, but I mean, to see a guy reinvent himself the way he has over the course of his career and then to do what he's done this season at the age of 34 now, 35 years old, is staggering. I I just I've been amazed to see this defense and how different it is this year than it was a season ago just by virtue of his presence back there and then. You know, obviously, that's not all that he does. His block shots and, and his timing and all of those things. Just one of the most intelligent defenders you'll ever see. But I, I love what he does on offense too. I mean, his ability to step out, knock down the three-point shots that he has this season. You know, shooting thirty-seven percent from three for a guy his size who didn't even do it early in his career. And then I've I, I loved the fact that uh, even even watching him, I, I've I, you've heard me. Coined the 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 275 pound ballerina at times going down the lane and, and watching him with some of his footwork down there on offense too with the ball in his hands it's been fun to watch I, I don't know that's to me one of the biggest things that sticks out when I look at this season especially relative to a year ago when there was that massive size hole figuratively and literally when he won there.
1: Uh, yeah, and as you mentioned, to a uh, thirty, just turned thirty-five, back surgery, the the reinvention that he's gone through the last uh, decade or so, it, it just it continues to impress with what Brooke Lopez has brought to this team. And again, last year with up with not having Brooke for two thirds of the season, we saw the defense slide to the the middle of the pack in the league, and sometimes in the bottom ten. And now they've been elite once again, which you know. When we talk about the end-of-season of type of awards here, obviously a, a handful of bucks are, are going to be mentioned, but I, I think when you look at what Brooke Lopez has done, that's the most impressive part to me is everything that uh, you just mentioned there, Dave, with his, his longevity and you know him staying on the court basically every game this season, a, a couple of games at the end that he missed for rest and one other game, one year removed from back surgery, that is the most remarkable part to me.
6: Well, and I'll I'll go back to a conversation I even had with him earlier this season when other guys were kind of sitting out and you know all this load management conversation. Brooke, I think had missed like one game to that point, and he was you know when other guys were resting, he was carrying the load to to your point. And, and I said, "Man, is this where you down? Are you exhausted from this?" He said, "This is what I live for." He's like, "I don't want to sit. I lo- the games are what we do this for." And he wants to be playing all these games. I don't know. I think it's, it's it's again, with his age being as it is, it's always funny for a 46-year-old to, to call a 35-year-old old. But um, that that's, in relative terms, what he is. But he's just been able to extend his career to this degree and reinvent himself. And again, one of the smartest work players and hardest-working guys. That's kind of the common theme, I think. You look at his Bucks roster, so many guys that are just really hard workers. And it's part of the culture of this group, but uh, it starts with, with your leaders, and, and those are, as I like to call them, the big four. It's it's not just a big three anymore because I think Brooke has really extended that to, to include himself in that conversation too.
1: Lisa, how much of last year and how it ended, and look, Chris Middleton's injury is obviously going to play a major role in, in where the Bucks go or how far they go a season ago, but how much of last year and how that uh, came to be where they were the three seed they had to go on the road against the Celtics in round two and just the potential path they would have had how much of that do you think played into what we saw from this team early in the season despite being injured and that push that we saw certainly when they were healthy at the end <laughs>
7: Well, several things. Yeah. I mean, number one, uh, you know, everybody will say you gotta be healthy, you gotta be good, and you gotta be lucky to have success in, in the postseason. And as you just talked about, Justin, you know, the Bucs weren't weren't totally healthy. And so that comes into play of just you look in the, the small sample size of the last few games of the regular season. Do we play these guys? Do we play Giannis? Do we you know, do we push this guy to the limit? And the answer is no um you know what's the point because we you know the the bucks have to be at their best and at their healthiest going into the playoffs we know that we've seen that um uh, just as is as, you know as, as short of a season as last year um, so I think the health issue um, is something that they learned from last year. Defensively, we saw them, you know, make changes based on what the Boston Celtics did to them from three point territory. They they reinvented themselves defensively this year and have consistently been, you know, either one or two in several of the major defensive categories this year. That's something that they learned, and um, they learned, you know, the value. I, I think they know that they could have wrapped up a, a game six against the Celtics at home but yet they also don't want to go on the road to try to play a game seven. Um, and so the value of matchups and having home court advantage. Um, so I think those three things are lessons that certainly came, you know, defensively, what kind of things do we need to change health-wise? How do we become the healthiest that we are going into the postseason? And and how can we maximize what we have at Five Star Forum uh, to set us up for success the best. So I think those are the three things that they learned coming off of falling short last year in the playoffs.
1: You mentioned uh, learning new teammates in there too. Um, You could argue that uh, off the floor, nobody went through more of that than the two of you. So when we come back, I I do want to get into that as it's year two in the seat for both of you guys, the transition that we've seen and uh, some of the changes as well as uh, we continue our conversation with Dave Kane and Lisa Binington after this on Bucks Weekly. Joined by the radio and TV voices of the Bucks, Dave Kane and Lisa Binington. And as we just mentioned there, you know, we've seen a little bit of turnover with this roster. The core group has remained the same the last few years, but you've seen some tweaks on the edges. And that was not the case for the broadcast teams the last few years, as we went through quite a bit of changes. And it is now year two for both you, Dave, and you, Lisa, on the radio. And uh, TV side and obviously much more comfortable not learning a new team and new players new city and everything else that goes along with that so uh, I guess just uh, starting with Lisa talk a little bit about the transition to go from what you were doing to get this opportunity and now in, in year two the more familiarity that you have especially as we've seen things start to loosen up a little bit as well with the pandemic that we were going through, which would not have been ideal to start with a new team in the midst of that. But uh, how much comfort there is now in year two?
7: Yeah, you just got to, I mean, there's a groundwork, um, and I'm sure Dave would agree to that. Now there's a base that you build on from year one and year two. And, you know, I'm actually very thankful that, um, you know, some of the, the ballet sports crews, TV crews, not all of them, traveled the full season last year and, and we did and, and Dave did um, on the radio side. And so I can't even imagine, you know, as hard as it was for us to learn uh, a new organization and um, different teams like that would have been incredibly challenging um, to to not be able to travel. But for me, that was so valuable in year number one. And and I always say, um, and maybe Dave feels the same way on the radio side, but on the TV side, I, I felt like I had to learn kind of two different families. Um, There's there's the Bucks family. And then for me, there was the TV side, which was the Bally Sports Wisconsin family. And so I had to learn how the TV side was operating. Some of the new faces, the new names, the new roles, On the TV side. And then when you're traveling with the team, you have your Bucks family, Um, you know, who's 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 Johnny and what does he do? You know, who's uh, Susie and what does she do? And so you learn names and and faces and you get to be on the road with them and talk to them and, and continue to try to build relationships. That's just outside of the team, let alone all of the stuff you actually have to do for your job. Um, and learning the team and, and uh, diving into the history and, and learning more about the league. And, and I know Dave and I, you know, follow the NBA, but it's nothing like being involved in the NBA knee deep day in and day out. It's a, it's a completely different animal. So you go through all that and it's, it's like a whirlwind. It's like, you know, walking into a, a, a faucet that's going like 100 miles an hour, right, where you're trying to, to drink it all up um in in year number one but you you digest all of that you live it and then you take a deep breath in the off season and then you realize when you go into year two okay I know who what Susie does and what Johnny does and I I, I can have now a base to talk about with Chris Middleton and Giannis and Drew and, and all that so uh for for many many reasons and many different families year two has been so much easier than year one.
6: Yeah, I'd obviously echo that sentiment. I think efficiencies is a big part of it. You know, one of the things that Lisa didn't mention that I know she and I have both been kind of learning on the fly, too. You don't realize the resources that are out there. And I think when you get to the NBA, there's all these resources. There's so much data. There's so much information and ways that you find out and work on your information. What's important? What's not? I mean, I'm still obviously evolving that stuff. And that's something that I kind of wrestle with still. I probably will my whole career. But I, I think especially that first year, your efficiencies just aren't there searching like splits, all these things. How much do I want to use analytics? Analytics aren't as, as big of a role. They don't play as big of a role typically in the college side as they do in the pro side, in my experience. And, you know, all the resources that are out there you know, and, and learning those things, I think that was a challenge, too. But I mean, even at a much more basic level, like Lisa just said, I mean, I like you know, where is the airport? (laughs) That's the first question, like, when we get here, you know, like, where do we eat? Um, You know, all all these, where's the broadcast booth, for that matter? You know, all these things that you wouldn't even normally even think twice about that first year, you don't have it. And and again, if we had not been able to travel with the team, I'm going to echo that sentiment. I mean, it would have been just, I don't know how you do it. And there were people that that went into the league for the first time during that COVID year, the year before, where, where people were not traveling with the team. I don't know how you would have done it. I mean, that that would have been so much harder. But and, and then the other thing I'll add that was kind of unique about our situation was the fact that we came in together. Uh, I think that was a pretty unique set of circumstances. That you have two new play-by-play voices. That there there aren't too many of us out there. We're a pretty niche uh, group in terms of play-by-play people. And, and I hadn't had someone that was kind of, that does what I do and thinks the way I do that was working in that same, the same space that I was until really Lisa. And so that was kind of fun to explore that together with her and, and get to, to sort of, um, make, make our way through this new foreign territory together. Um, and then I'm going to add this too. And Lisa's going to hate me for because I know she's sick of this whole narrative, but the reality is it is what it is. It was really cool to be with someone who was, Uh, breaking barriers, and that's what Lisa was doing last year Is the first play-by-play voice of a a professional team. I know she's sick of hearing it, and she's earned the right to be just considered just a broadcast. That's what she is. But the reality was she was the first, and and I felt honored and privileged to be uh, able to be with her during that journey last year.
1: Yeah, and, and that was uh, my my next question. So you stole it from me like a, a true pro there, Dave. But to, to go through that together, because, uh, look, I remember early on in the season last year where you sent me a message about a couple of things of where do I go for this or where's uh, what airport do we use or, or what where do I go at this arena and had to say, like, I, I, I don't know, I don't travel. So to have somebody else going through it and learning that, I'm sure, was, was very helpful. I, I couldn't tell if it happened there, but I think the biggest thing, We've noticed with the relationship that you two have is uh, I'm assuming it did happen, Lisa, but we couldn't see the eye rolls. Whenever Dave talks or says something, especially a joke, there's quite a few of those.
7: Well, I... I, Uh only eye roll when he um, tries to be funny, but is you know, falls quite short, which happens actually quite a lot. Very
6: rarely. Very rarely. I
7: guess now that I think about it, there are quite a few eye rolls. (laughs) (laughs) You can't have a both ways, Lisa. You know, I do. (laughs) um, I remember the first time that I met Dave, um, you know, I sent him uh, a message when it was announced. His hiring came after mine. So I, I sent him a text message, you know, congratulations and hadn't met him in person yet. And, um, he came up during uh, one of the first few home games, uh, one of the preseason games, and we all are still wearing masks, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I'm standing in one of the the media rooms waiting for the the pregame presser, and this strange man is coming up to me with a mask because you don't recognize anybody <laughs> when you just see, like, their eyes and the top of their head, you know. And then he comes up, and he's got his deep voice, hi, I'm Dave Kane, you know, and <laughs> – and um And so, and I met, and I know immediately then after, you know, we exchanged hellos and stuff, he immediately asked me, where do you think you're going to print on the road? (laughs) Just to give you an inside look of like how prepared he was already, he hadn't even called a game yet. And he was already, you know, projecting what we were going to do on the road and and how we were going to print. We have the, you know, people who aren't familiar with what we do. We have broadcast boards where we have all kinds of bio information and stats and all that stuff. And, and it's true, you know, we do it in color, and we do it in legal size paper, and it's not an easy thing to do. But I just, I remember that because he's just, you know, he's so, um, he's so prepared with things. And and I appreciate that about him. He's a grinder. Um, and, and it is true. You know, we did share a lot like, hey, have you used this this website or this resource? Or have you tried this? Or look what I learned how to do with this. And so we were able to share that together as well as learning how to print our research stuff <laughs> together on the road. So the the highs and the lows of, of being together, and you're number one. Well, speak. a lot of
6: lows, very few highs when the two of us were together. So, no, I'm kidding. But I was a strange man approaching her at the very beginning. I want to emphasize that. 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 That's my biggest yeah.
1: takeaway from this entire thing is uh, you were described as that, who is the strange man, which... Uh, it, it seems rather appropriate if no. no yeah, no. it's no, the most uh,
6: accurate. It's the most accurate statement she's had this whole season, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Well, before I let both of you go, uh, speaking of prep, how how do you start this this week? Do you just dive into everything at the end of the week, or do you, you treat it kind of like what we see with the assistant coaches of All right, I'm going to start to look at these three teams, and then I'll focus in as as the week gets uh big, gets closer to finding who our opponent is.
6: At least I'll let you lead.
1: Well, I always
7: yeah. Thank you. I always joke with Dave um, that you know we get done with a game and he immediately opens up his laptop. So if um, to work on the next game. So if he tells you that he has not opened his laptop all week and hasn't done any <laughs> studying, I'm going to tell you that he's lying right now. I don't know what his answer is going to be, but I'm going to tell you that he's lying right now. Um, for me, I I need to unplug a little bit, and I actually enjoyed. Uh, watching some of the playing games with you know last night, and I'll I'll watch some playing games tonight. So, I actually enjoy. I don't get to be kind of a fan and and not have something on my plate where I have to do it next, you know. So, I'm actually going to take these next few days and just sort of watch as a fan and and a potential like okay, this could be one of our potential opponents um, for sure. But I'll dive in after Friday. If I, if I kind of see where, where things are going with that Friday night game, I'll start diving in with that um, and uh, do some heavy lifting on Saturday and then be prepared to go on Sunday. Right.
6: Lisa, you would have been so proud of me on my way back from Toronto. Don't lie, to Dave. Don't lie. I did not do work on my flight home from, from Toronto. I promise. And it was very hard like, for what me. What work but would I you have done? Do you just <laughs> ended the
7: regular season. You don't well, have an so opponent. Look, here, like here, What here, on earth would you, you know, have done? The only
6: things I would have done and have done a little bit, this is me being full transparency, I have done a little bit in terms of just... You know, just updating a few of my notes on the Buck stuff that I need to get done at some point. So, mm-hmm. but I did not do that Sunday. You'll be happy to know, and I and I have done very little since. But I'm like you. I, in fact, you know, I I can even one up you on this because I didn't even watch the playing games live. I recorded them and watched them last night after the fact. I was up late. But, you know, look, I had some family around with the wife. I'm kind of like, you know what? I owe it to them to not be watching basketball right now when we could be watching. We watched the Tetris movie, which I hadn't seen on Netflix or whatever. It was on Apple Plus, Apple, I guess. Yeah. But that was kind of a fun one. Yeah. And so we watched that last night. And then I watched the games afterward. It was divine. Afterwards, watched it late at night, kind of just as they will fast forward through all the, the ads. So nobody text me any results before they happen because I'm planning on doing the same thing tonight.
1: Uh, that's uh, I suppose before we wrap up, that's the other thing I should point out, is uh, I can't speak to the TV side, Lisa, but uh, in the radio booth, most of the conversations, I would say, are not necessarily basketball. It's usually movies or TV shows that any of the oh, three boy. of us are, are currently watching, and then what Dave is going to eat for dinner at 11 p.m. that evening.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Don't, if that- you want to expose Lisa, ask her about her favorite shows that she likes to watch are. I'm sure Lisa doesn't watch shows. (laughs) You don't watch shows, do you, Lisa? I watch
7: it all out there. No, 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 no. I do watch shows, but I watch shows when I'm with like family and friends who watch shows. And then and then when I'm with them watching shows, I think, oh, well, I should watch shows. Um, but yeah. that doesn't – you say that like that makes me a horrible person or something. It just makes um, you,
6: you – like me, you're a strange person. I think that's a good way <laughs> oh, to describe it. Oh, I'm not denying
7: <laughs> that. I'm not denying that on the yeah. the level of strange. We are we are both on there <laughs> from, from different perspectives for sure.
1: Well, uh, opponent uh, still TBD, but we know it'll be Sunday in the afternoon. And, uh, guys, I will see you in person there inside of Pfizer Forum as we get ready – for hopefully a deep playoff run, and um, I don't know, Lisa, maybe we'll see if you can actually take on some shows in these uh, next, what, 72 or so hours before the game.
7: (laughs) Probably not. I'll probably sit and watch some NBA basketball. How's that sound? I was going to say, don't hold your breath, right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sports person. I can't turn away from sports. So as, as little, as few shows that I watch, I watch a ton of just sports. I just am a sports fan. If I... I can learn from it, you know. I just love it. So we have thanks, slowly, Justin. we have slowly back-tuddled our way out of this, haven't we, <laughs> Justin? We have, we it have,
6: was yeah. always going to devolve.
1: <laughs> we had just major momentum
7: <laughs> with you at the start of this, and now just it's just crawling, crawling to the finish. Yeah. But thanks for having us on.
1: Yeah, you, you, you've met Dave Kane and Lisa Binington, the radio voice of the Bucks and the TV voice of your Milwaukee Bucks. When we come back. We'll wrap up the hour. Also, take a look at Drew Holiday. We've heard a lot of MVP chatter, defensive player of the year, even sixth man. What about all NBA and specifically Drew Holiday? We'll get into that as the show moves along. It's Bucks Weekly here on the Trimal Cast, WTMJ, ESPN Milwaukee, and 101.7 The Truth. we off in Miami on Friday, the winner of that game. Comes to Milwaukee for the first two games to take on the Bulls, to take on the Bulls. Bulls, to take on the Bucks as the eighth seed in the first round. So again, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday, then Saturday. So you get two days off between games one and two and games two and three. We will uh, repeat the playoff schedule if you missed it and get you set for the third and final hour. As I mentioned, that conversation with Drew Holiday, you'll hear that in hour number three. We get set for that after this. It's the playoff edition of Bucks Weekly here on the Trimal Cast. The be the best. The best All right, maybe not so fast. The uh, Bulls did get it down to eight. Raptors countered with a three, so it's 80 to 69 in Toronto as we await to see who goes to Miami to play the Heat with uh, the winner of that game facing the Bucks. In the first round. Our third and final hour of the show, you will hear Gail Kampa's conversation with Drew Holiday. And I do want to get into a Drew Holiday conversation as well, as we've paid quite a bit of attention to MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. What about Drew's chances at All-NBA? We'll get into that in our number three of the playoff edition of Bucks Weekly. Status of uh, three names at least for the first round series as uh, the Bucks. Saw Grayson Allen go down with a pretty bad ankle sprain last week of the season. And then, very next game, Pat Connaughton does the same. Chris Middleton still battling that knee issue as well. So we did get an update yesterday that uh, Chris Middleton did practice and do some individual drills. His participation, though, was limited. Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen a, a little bit more limited for that duo. So... We're in wait-and-see mode with those uh, two players to see, really frankly, all three of those guys, to see what their status will be for the open of the playoffs, but you get two days off between Game 1 and 2 and another two days off between Game 2 and 3. That is pretty advantageous for the Bucs and for those three players specifically. After that, it's all every other day from that point forward. Game uh, 4 to Game 5, Game 5 to 6, Game 6 to 7, just one day off in between each of those games, but most important now for the Bucks is finding out who that opponent will be. And they are headed to the fourth quarter in Toronto. Raptors up eleven on the Bulls, eighty-three to seventy-two. At the top of the program, I asked the question: Bucks regular season is over. What is your biggest takeaway from this regular season? From these eighty-two games, not the off season, not the trade deadline. Not this full encompassing 12 months as a season here. Certainly not playoff preview. Just the 82 games that were played in the regular season. What's your takeaway from those, uh, what is it even, six months? What's your takeaway from those 82 games? You will remember those 82 games how? 855 1620 is the number to join us tonight on the playoff preview edition of Bucks Talk. Um, I will start by giving you how I remember this season and I I don't know how to properly put it into words here, but the, I guess the easiest way to put it is just next man up. That to me is the theme of this season. You know, last year. We looked at Brooke Lopez missing two-thirds of the season. We saw how the defense plummeted in his absence. And I think we all told ourselves, okay, it, it it can't get worse than this. Like This was the proverbial season from hell, if you will, with Brooke gone. And we saw just how much of an impact he has on your defense. And this year, by the way, we've seen how much of an impact he has on your offense. But you learned the impact by his absence last year defensively. This year, we've learned the impact on the offense by his presence. But you thought, okay, it, it can't get worse than this, to lose somebody as important as Brook Lopez for two-thirds of the season. Bobby Portis missed some time during the Giannis the usual. Chris Middleton, the, the standard amount of time missed. So it was really just Brook Lopez. But it was a lot of time that he was out. And then you get to the playoffs— and uh, what, seven quarters in, I believe it was very, very early into the fourth quarter, maybe less than a minute into the fourth quarter, Chris Middleton suffers the knee injury that would ultimately end his season. So not so fast when he thought it can't get much worse. But coming into this season, we touted the Bucks' depth and said, assuming this team stays healthy, look at all the upgrades. I, I just talked to you earlier in the show. I've... I've- I've mentioned this throughout the course of the season on Bucks Talk specifically. If you want to know how deep they are or how much deeper they are than a season ago, look no further than the minute totals from that playoff series a season ago against the Boston Celtics when you looked at who got a lot of minutes out of necessity. It's very similar to what we had mentioned about a year prior when maybe – Bud takes a little more criticism than is warranted when you you hear... Uh, the big one I always heard was, why are you playing Jeff Teague right now? And I get it. I'm not here to suggest Jeff Teague was the player he was when he entered the league, even the player he was with the Atlanta Hawks. But my counter to that was always, who? If, if not Jeff Teague, who? Who? Who do you want to give these minutes to? Because that is a team, or was a team, that was seven players deep the year they won the championship. It was your starters, it was Bobby Portis, and it was Pat Connaughton. That was it. You want Elijah Bryant to take those Jeff Teague minutes? So that was kind of the problem the Bucks had in the corner they painted themselves into. Last year, against the Boston Celtics in that series, Giannis played... The second-most minutes at 280. He and Drew Holiday basically matched each other. 283 minutes for Drew, 280 for Giannis. Then you had Wesley Matthews and Pat Connaughton tied for the third-most minutes at 205 apiece. Then you had Brooke Lopez and Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis basically tied for the fifth-most minutes at 188. 185, 178, respectively. Uh, Javon Carter played 47 minutes. George Hill played 76. So you go down the list there, and you see they were seven deep once again. And I get, once you get to the postseason, rotations are trimmed down. You're not going to be going 10 or 11 deep. But you would also like a plan B, and the Bucs just simply did not have that a season ago. As good as Wesley Matthews looked a season ago, as good as Wesley Matthews has looked as recently as a week ago this season, when he was the guy that helped you dig yourself out of that pit and beat the Chicago Bulls and clinch the one seed, I don't think anybody would suggest Wesley Matthews should be logging the third most minutes in a playoff series. And that's the problem that the Bucks had there even if you have a healthy Chris Middleton. I think most Bucks fans assume, hey, if Chris was healthy a season ago, we win that series against the Celtics. Maybe you do. But there was more depth issues beyond that than just not having Chris Middleton. It is all tied together. Grayson Allen looks different. He's playable or much more playable in, in more situations if Chris Middleton is on the floor. Wesley Matthews' minutes are shaved down. And maybe Wesley Matthews Gives you even more. You can utilize Bobby Portis in different situations. Same thing. You know, a lot of that playing time came early in the series when the Bucks were going with those jumbo lineups, and that's what they used to win game one. They didn't have different ways to match up with Boston. They had one way to play, and it was basically, we're going to have to use our size. We're going to be the bigger team, the tougher team. You have the athleticism. You have the offense. We don't. We're just going to have to win rock fights. They still have that going into this playoffs, but they have other ways they can play and different looks that they can throw out there as well. So, to me, I'm going to remember how this team battled through injuries. That's the biggest identifier of this season for the Bucks. The time that Brooke Lopez missed a season ago was basically the same that Chris Middleton missed. And, you know, I know I have certainly pointed out for a while now, just how valuable and important Chris Middleton is and has been to this team, including in that championship run. He hit the game-winning shot in game one of the playoffs in that win over the Miami Heat. I-, I think the Bucks win the series regardless, but you do have to point out who knows where that series goes if you lose. A lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of questions surrounding the Bucks going into the playoffs. I mentioned it with Ben Golliver. We can poke fun at the 76ers. Believe me, I love to do it as much as the next, but a lot of those questions of, hey, do it in the playoffs, Bucks are facing those same questions all the way up until they won a championship. So who knows how things go if you lose that game one. Chris Middleton basically hit the game winner against the uh, Brooklyn Nets in game seven. The final field goal of the game, Chris Middleton in overtime in game seven. Chris Middleton, when Giannis went down in the conference finals, was the guy. Brooke Lopez, huge as well. But Chris Middleton, biggest reason why that team pulled past Atlanta. And Chris Middleton, a 40-point game in the NBA finals. They have a lot more depth and a lot more versatility in different ways to play this season. And a part of that, or a reason behind that, too, is what we saw from that depth during the regular season. Javon Carter, to me, is the first guy that will come to mind when you talk about depth. This season for the Bucs. Because early on, he had that big game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. 36-point outburst. He's had a couple of them. And when you think about those moments this season, where guys were out of the lineup, Javon Carter's been huge. Bobby Portis was huge in those games. Uh, very, very early in the season. During the nine-game win streak to open the season, we talked about, you know, Bucks record in games are only one of the big three plays. Not great. And in games where none of them played, they had not won. Previously, winless in those games. I believe it was 0-4 coming into this season. Right off the bat, first situation they had, they won. That Javon Carter 36-point game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Had another big game against the Thunder. Marjan Beauchamp early in the season. Got a lot more minutes. Had some big moments. Right out of the gates. That big game he had against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Grayson Allen. A guy that, if we're being honest, didn't have a whole lot of fans. You listening to the show, you Bucks fans on Twitter, you Bucks fans in the arena, not a whole lot of Grayson Allen stands at the beginning of the year. But Grayson Allen had a tremendous season for the Bucks, an important bounce back season for Grayson Allen. And you know, perhaps most importantly, we saw Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday. Both show off what they still have in the tank offensively and what they are capable of giving you. So, in years past, you know, the first year Bud was here, when Giannis missed time, ten games, I believe that he missed. The Bucs went five and five, but they started five and zero. Oh. You did a decent job weathering the storm early on, but then that slowly started to erode. This year, that wasn't necessarily the case. And again, it was the growth you saw from Javon Carter. It was Bobby Portis. As You'll hear every opposing coach. I've mentioned I hear opposing coaches talk quite a bit about Drew Holiday this season. In years past, it was Giannis. And just wax poetic about everything he does so well and why, hey, I love Drew Holiday. I wish I had him on my team. I wish I had 12 guys like Drew Holiday. You hear a lot of coaches talk about Bobby Portis as well. Monty Williams has talked about him. Doc Rivers has talked about him. Uh, Eric Spolstra talked about him earlier in the season. Jacques Vaughn. You hear all these coaches point out, you know, I'm so happy that, number one, Bobby Portis found a home and a role in the NBA, but he's the type of guy you want because he knows what his role is, and he goes out there and does it. And if his role changes and he say, hey, Bobby, we need you to take on a little bit more now, he does it. He is the perfect teammate and the exact type of guy that you want, then we started to see Joe Ingles get more comfortable and more into the mix with his team. Just more and more waves of players you could throw out there that knew their role, embraced their role, and were willing to take on more when they needed to. Not every team has that. We talk about don't take Giannis for granted as we see him continue to pile up the accolades. And again, continue to become the career leader in more statistical categories this season. Within the next two years, Giannis is basically going to own every single individual award in Bucks history. But it's one thing to point out that, of, hey, don't take Giannis for granted. Don't take the rest of these guys for granted, because you see what goes on in other organizations and other teams. I mean, look no further than the North. And what happened with Rudy Gobert? It's not common and it's another thing you should not take for granted in how this team just fits it's like the old i love when a plan comes together the plan came together for john horst for mike budenholzer for the entire front office and we've heard for the last few years you know we look at basketball fit but we look at locker room fit too and how they fit into our culture and what we're trying to do and you hear it and you think okay yeah you I get it, you don't want the malcontent, but it, but talent ultimately wins out. And that is probably true, but for things like this, when we talk about these guys embracing their role, Wesley Matthews not playing as much as he assumed or would have hoped or wants to play, but still embraces the moment, has that big game against the Chicago Bulls. He essentially told us that afterwards on our postgame show. That's not common in this league. Not just the Giannis effect; the teammate effect is not common, and that, to me, is the biggest takeaway from this season for the Bucks. Uh, it is all of a sudden a brand new game in Toronto. It is a one-possession game between the Raptors and the Bulls. We will keep you updated on that score throughout this hour. But when we come back, we go courtside with the Milwaukee Bucks as tonight your guest. Drew Holiday. That is the conversation, Drew Holiday and Gail Klapa. And that comes your way after this. It is the playoff edition of Bucks Weekly.
8: The names you know. We're joined by one of the key players on the Bucks roster Bucks forward, Pat Connaughton. He's a player that Wisconsin fans know well. Wesley Matthews, a majority owner, and the current governor of the team, Mark Lazsery.
0: Talking about your favorite basketball team.
3: From on the court to off. You never know. You might not have that many years left, so. The hunger is for sure still there, but I mean this. I think the fans in Milwaukee honestly recruited Bobby Portis more than anybody. I mean, he loves the fans in Milwaukee.
0: It's time to go courtside with the Milwaukee Bucks. Here's your host, Kale Kloppa.
8: Hello, everyone. I'm Gail Kwapa, and this is Courtside with the Milwaukee Bucks. It's signed, sealed, delivered. The 22-23 NBA season is in the books, and the Bucks were simply the best. Now the team stands in waiting. Home court advantage secured for the playoff rounds ahead. From Milwaukee to Minocqua and beyond, hopes are running high. Tonight, we sit down with one of the good guys. In his pro career, he's been named NBA Teammate of the Year. Opponents call him the best two-way player in the league. Coach Bud simply calls him a winner, in every sense of the word. Our guest is Bucks All-Star guard, Drew Holiday. Drew, thanks so much for joining us here on Courtside. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, Drew, you've just finished your 13th year in the NBA, and arguably this was the most productive season of your career. Your thoughts, Drew, on the accomplishments of the regular season?
4: You know, um... I think I think it went well. Uh this is the first time I've ever been on a team that's been number one in the East, uh or number one in the NBA in general. Um number one seed going in the playoffs. I think it's a great accomplishment, especially for my career personally, but and I've really just been having fun. Um, I think that's probably the biggest part for me as an athlete and as a player's uh year fourteen I'm still having fun and, and loving what I'm doing, so um that's always a great thing.
8: Uh, it sure is. But Drew, with Chris Middleton recovering from injuries for much of the year, the Bucks seem to rely on you to be more aggressive on offense. Your thoughts? Yeah.
4: Uh, I've just really been put in an opportunity or in a position to to be more aggressive. Um, and I think I've taken on the challenge. Uh, I think I've done pretty well. I'm still waiting for Chris to get back and, and, and uh, do what he does. But um, I think I've been having fun, kind of taking on more of a role as a scorer and a playmaker and, and trying to get get our guys uh, really just rolling,
8: you know? Well, just a few weeks ago, speaking of rolling, against the Indiana Pacers, you racked up 51 points, a brand new career record for you, Drew. What gave you that extra juice that night?
4: You know, um, I think just sometimes you kind of get into a groove. You know, you get into a a position or a mind, the mindset, the mindset there where um, you just feel like you can't miss and everything is going your way. So during that game, it felt uh, real comfortable. It felt like uh, anything that I kind of threw at or around the basket was going in. So I, I took advantage of that.
8: And I understand that your teammate Javon Carter joked with you that he should be the real starting guard, but I guess you put all that to rest and true with those fifty-one points yeah that's 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 my guy. I love Javon and
4: what he brings to our team and the energy that he brings. but um, he's going to be in this league for a long time just because of how aggressive he is defensively and how well and how well he can shoot offensively but um again, I have guys on my team that motivate me, and it's not just by words but it's by their actions and uh the way that Javon goes out there and
8: performs and
4: how hard he plays and how well he plays um really
8: elevates my game. During the Bucks are, as you say, loaded with talent as we head into the playoffs. Uh, as you look up and down the roster, and I've asked a number of your colleagues this question this year, whose play has surprised you the most this season?
4: Whose play has surprised me the most?
8: Um, you know, I wouldn't say that
4: this guy surprised me. Um, I've seen him do it before. But uh, I think Brooke Lopez, um, I think not having him for the whole season last year, um, him kind of battling an injury and then coming back right before playoffs. Uh, he wasn't himself, but the way he's been playing this year has been amazing to me. Um, I, I love how he's been playing defensively. Uh, I, I think that he's um, defensive player of the year, but offensively, he's just an X factor for us.
8: Some nights he looks like the old Brooklyn Brook, Drew. Yeah, yeah, the guy who scored...
4: So many points. I think he's still a leading scorer of, of of the Nets. So um, I think how he's kind of extended his range from back then, from two pointers now out to three pointers, has been has been insane and and great for our team in terms of spacing and just a
8: threat always. Your your usual assignment is to guard the best offensive player on every team the Bucks face. Looking back over the season think about the two or three toughest challenges. Who are the two or three toughest scores that you, you tried to lock down this season? Let me think.
4: Uh, I think having a chance to go against Donovan Mitchell this year was tough. Um, I really like his game and how he plays. Uh, very athletic, uh, volume scorer. Um, I, I would put DeMar DeRozan in there too. I think he's definitely a uh, a world talent, and and how he can score that basketball. And then um, I think Shea Gildas Alexander is a tough guard. He's uh, kind of slippery and sly. How he gets to the basket. Um, he can shoot the ball really well. Has great footwork. Uh, very very quick as well. So I'd say those three guys.
8: And it's possible, I guess, Drew, that we could see DeBar Rosen in the playoffs. Very 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 possible. Um, we'll see
4: what happens. You know, I'll be I'll be tuning in. To, uh, to see who we get in that eighth
8: spot. So, uh, just really excited for it all to start. We'll have more with Drew Holiday in a moment. This is Courtside with the Milwaukee Bucks on WTMJ. Coaches and players all talk about how the playoffs are a different animal in the regular season. From your perspective, what are the biggest differences? Um,
4: I think the biggest differences are the intensity, um, what you're playing for, uh, I think during the regular season, you you play for a playoff spot and then once you get to the playoffs, it's to earn the hardware to get the ring and um, and that means a lot. Um, I think that you can lock in specifically on teams and players, on strategies, um, and try to figure out your advantages and that, that really makes um, the game a lot tougher. But it's a challenge and it's a fun challenge to have, especially with
8: a team like I have. Amen. And Drew Coach Bud is talking about how the playoffs really bring about a different level of scouting and a lot more games within the games. How about give us an example of what Coach Bud is talking about?
4: Um I think it's I think what he's talking about is uh really just yeah, I think it's I think it's more like uh so within the game Let's say we're playing the Bulls. Uh, We like to lock certain players, and it could be Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Well, there are certain ways that we want to play them. If it's what we want to send to their weekend, uh, we send them that way because um, percentage-wise, they are less going to the left or going to the weekend. Or if it's something about um, trapping them and getting the ball out of their hands, Making somebody else beat you. There's like little games within the game that, um, to me, is a challenge, but at the same time, very, very fun and strategic. Uh, it really makes you think the game a lot, a lot more.
8: And speaking of the game, drip interested in your view on this. Uh, a number of scouts have talked about. Giannis, and of course, just an incredible, probably the best player on the planet, but how his game has improved because he seems to be able to read the game. He's a smarter player. Your thoughts on that comment? Yeah, I think
4: Giannis is, uh, I mean, if not the best player in the world, he's definitely one of the best players in the world. I think that uh, the way that he approaches the game, um, and he doesn't take anything for granted, but the way he approaches the game is uh, top-notch. And I feel like uh, how serious he wants to win is something that he shows every time he plays. And, you know, during the regular season when um, sometimes uh, we could be in the middle of the season or kind of getting toward the end and you kind of uh, relax a little bit, Giannis is still going 150%. He's still worrying about his body. He's still taking every game seriously. The games that we need to win, he does that. So, I think his mindset is is probably one of the biggest parts of what makes him the best player in the world.
8: And Drew, I know it's dangerous to look too far ahead, but most fans believe that the Bucks will have to beat the Boston Celtics to reach the championship round. As you know, we haven't played well against Boston this year. What can you tell our listeners about a potential matchup with our arch rivals from the
6: East?
4: Um, I think it'd be a good matchup. I think it's two tough teams. Uh, I think it's the top two teams. If in the East, obviously, but maybe the top two teams in the NBA. Um, I think we match up well with them, and they match up well with us. So, uh, I think when it comes down to it, it's going to be fun, kind of like it was last last time we played them. Um, but I think in regular season, there's so many different things that you, uh, I guess, you kind of look past and and don't really take as seriously. But playing against them in the playoffs again is just a it's a different beast, a different
8: mindset, and. Two teams are going to be locked in and ready to go. And Drew, this time, compared to last year, if there is a Game 7 against Boston, it will be at for Forum. There we go. That's an advantage. Drew, being healthy, going into the playoffs, obviously so important. What can you tell us about the status of Chris Middleton, Grayson Allen, and Pat Connaughton? Um, I think they're doing well.
4: You know, uh, working on themselves, preparing for this first round, Uh pre- mentally and physically, and um, obviously super excited to get everything started.
8: And do you expect each one of them to be back for round one? I would hope so. Um, I haven't,
4: I I guess that really isn't my place or whatever to say, but um, knowing my guys, uh, they're going to be as prepared as they can to to come in, and and I know that they want to be out there on the court with us.
8: We'll have more with Drew Holiday right after this it's courtside with the Milwaukee Bucks on w t m j late She was a great soccer player in her day, and now she's about to receive a tremendous honor. Tell us about it.
4: Yeah, my wife was inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh which is something that I feel like people can only imagine, but um I live with the goat so it's it's uh it's an i mean just amazing honor. And I think to be able to um, be around her and her mindset and how she uh, sees the game and, and competes um, has helped me so much in my career. So I appreciate her so much for, for one, choosing me to be her husband or letting me be her husband, but uh, bringing so much to, to my career as well.
8: Well, you can at least flash one ring, you know, when you're when you're trying to compete with her.
4: I can I can flash one ring and one gold medal. Uh, I think she has two rings and two gold medals. So I still have some work to do.
8: (laughs) I you sure do, Drew. We've talked before about your shooting ability and the fact that you're really ambidextrous. Uh, I think the night you scored fifty one. Uh one of the uh stat one of the statisticians mentioned that you scored twenty four of those fifty one points with your left hand. So I'm just curious, when you reach out to hug Lauren, which hand do you go with first?
4: It's a great question. I think I do both arms. I'm a I'm a f I'm a two arm hugger when I when I hug low. You know, I gotta get the full wrap around. But um yeah, I do like to use my left. I I like I do like to use my left a, a lot. It's very comfortable for me
8: and it looks like you use your left a lot when you're finishing at the rim. Is that just instinctive, or is that something that, that, uh, given where you are on the court, makes a difference?
4: Um, I think it's instinctive. I mean, I know it's instinctive. I've I've loved my left hand since I was a little kid, Um, and just using my left hand, I never really had to work on it because I always wanted to use it. Uh, There were things that I had to work on more with my right in terms of, like, layups and dribbling. Um, I had to do a lot more, I had to concentrate a lot more with my right hand, so being able to have that left hand and people not think that uh, I like to go left, and um, I do think having the ability to
8: use both hands is an advantage for me. Uh, Drew, you and Lauren, switching gears a bit here, have been so active in giving back to the community. How about give our listeners an update on the work of your foundation and where you want to take it next? Yeah, so we um just had uh,
4: an opening for our uh for our foundation for application for applicants. Um uh non profits and businesses can um or they could. I think it just closed maybe a couple of days ago, but we will be giving out another million dollars this year to uh nonprofits and, and businesses in local areas like Milwaukee, uh the New Orleans where I played, um, Indianapolis where my wife is from, and then Los Angeles where we uh, reside in the off-season. So I'm um, really, really excited to get to know and see and um, learn more about new businesses, small businesses, uh, and nonprofits. But, but again, really excited.
8: Drew, how have you found the applications over the past couple of years from Milwaukee? We, we really have a budding entrepreneurial minority community here.
4: Yeah, I think it's been awesome and they've been they've been hungry. Um they really want to change the community which um for somebody like me and Lauren who's very family-based and family-oriented is it's huge for us. Um uh the energy that they've that they brought uh has has been amazing, but there've been so many different types of uh businesses from yoga to kombucha uh to homelessness. It's it's been great and in a great variety. So I think being able to be here in Milwaukee and to actually go around and uh see the businesses and how they take care of their community and the people has been has been amazing for
8: us. Well that's great to hear. And finally Drew, what's your message for Bucks fans everywhere as the team battles for NBA glory? Uh
4: get ready. Buckle up. Uh we're excited and, and ready to go and we really want to make this, this push, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we, we get to the promised land. Well,
8: Drew, best of luck to you in the playoffs ahead, and you've been listening to Courtside with the Milwaukee Bucks on WTMJ. Been a fun ride all season long. So long, everybody.
1: Of uh, Courtside with the Milwaukee Bucks, um, we have seen quite a turn of events. In Toronto, where at one point, the Toronto Raptors led this game by 19. And it it seemed as though the Raptors were going to sprint to Miami. As a Toronto nearly wire-to-wire victory here, the Bulls took the lead once. Early in the second quarter. Other than that, the Raptors had led from the opening tip all the way until the last few minutes of the game. And again, as many as 19 they witnessed that lead balloon to. But it is now 107 105. The Chicago Bulls lead the game, but Pascal Siakam is at the free throw line with two more free throws. He was fouled on a three-point attempt. He can tie the game if he hits all three with just over 10 seconds remaining. 12 seconds left officially on the clock, and it seemed like this was well out of reach here and over. Not so fast, though, as the Chicago Bulls may be headed to Miami to take on the Heat, and if that's the case, if you get a Bulls-Heat Battle for the 8th seed. Whoever wins that game is going to play the Bucs, which would mean the previous two teams the Bucs played in the first round of the playoffs is who they would have to open up the postseason. They played the Heat in the first round two years ago. They played the Bulls in the first round, obviously, uh, last year. But uh, this is getting interesting in Chicago, and now Pascal Siakam missed the second free throw. So there is drama in Toronto, something we did not think we would see as recently as 15 minutes ago between the Raptors and the Bulls. Mentioned the playoff schedule already. If you're the Bucs, the good news is you get a lot of rest. So if a guy like Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, even Chris Middleton, if if those guys are not healthy right away, you do get some extended time off. Pascal Siakam goes one for three on the free throws. So you do get some time off to, to get those guys ready for the second round when the matchups start to change significantly. Again, we can't sleep on the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, if all goes to plan we could be in for an epic conference finals between the bucks and potentially uh, the boston celtics. We will step aside one more time when we come back. There's 11 seconds left in Chicago or excuse me, in Toronto. So when we come back, we expect to know who has won that game between the raptors and the bulls and who will go to Miami to play the heat on Friday with the winner of that game taking on the bucks in the first round. We'll get you the final score and take a look at the weekend, everything we have planned here and inside of Fiserv Forum and Deer District. We'll give you the details as we wrap up the three-hour playoff preview of Bucks Weekly next.
5: We with
0: you hey. in the club. Hey.
1: One hundred and nine, one hundred and five. Final score in Toronto: the Bulls cap the comeback. They beat the Raptors, and the Chicago Bulls are off to Miami on Friday to play the Heat. It'll it will either be the Miami Heat or the Chicago Bulls playing the Bucks in the first round. Of the playoffs, those the last two teams the Bucks drew in the first round. The Bulls last year, the Heat two years ago. What a comeback by the Bulls. The, uh, the Raptors missed 18 free throws in that game. I mentioned Pascal Siakam missed two when he was fouled on a three-point attempt, but the Raptors missed 18 free throws in the game. 50 or 62, I beg your pardon, combined points from DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. So now we know it's gonna be one of those two teams, the Bulls or the Heats. And I guess I will uh wrap up the show here in the closing minutes with uh the lazy cliche question. Boy, who would you rather play if you're the Bucs? I would much rather play the Miami. Let's let's preface with this. The Bucs will beat either of those two teams in a playoff series, especially in a best-of-seven series. That being said, I would rather play the Miami Heat than the Chicago Bulls. There's just no offense in Miami. And I know Sunday, the regular season finale edition of Bucks Talk, we said, hey, the Heat, they're a pesky team. Like It's not going to be fun to play them. They're, they're going to grind you down. They're going to play defense. They're going to slow down the game. You'll win the series. It may not be fun. Bulls can do the same. Again, defense has been the story for the Bulls in the second half of the season, and they have guys that can score. They don't have a consistent offense, they don't necessarily have a good offense, but they have guys. When you see tonight, DeRozan and Levine, 62 combined points. They have players that are capable of that. I would much rather play the Miami Heat than the Chicago Bulls in the first round of the postseason, in the playoffs. But again, it's going to be Miami or Chicago in the first round as the Bucks' opponent beginning on Sunday. Um, I mentioned what we wanted to get into with Drew Holiday, and um, just kind of ran out of time, but I'll, I'll do the cliff notes of it here. I am very curious if Drew Holiday will become an All-NBA player this season because for the awards discussion, we've had it countless times on this program, Giannis is not going to be the MVP. Giannis, we think, is the MVP. Giannis' numbers are just as good as Nikola Jokic, just as good as Joel Embiid. You have three very, very deserving candidates for the MVP this season. Three guys that just unfortunately had the great historic season together in the same year as the other two. But it is a narrative award. The narrative is set for Joel Embiid to be the guy because it is his turn, and that's how we view it. Defensive player of the year, we saw at at one point, Brooke Lopez was the front runner. I would be surprised if Brooke Lopez wins it, but I do think of all the awards, he has the best chance of winning. It's going to come down to Brooke Lopez, Jaron Jackson, and I think Evan Mobley. And the conversation is going to be do you do you feel like Jaron Jackson has played enough minutes and games to give him the the award? If so, yes, he will get it over Brooke Lopez. And look, Brooke is the best rim protector in the league. Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably the best defender with everything that he brings. His ability to to defend the perimeter, his shot blocking ability, his switch ability. He's very good. Sixth man of the year, Bobby Portis, has been very good for the Bucks. You look at the double-doubles, he's been great down the stretch for them. Malcolm Brogdon, to me, is, is the clear favorite to win that award. It seems like it's Malcolm Brogdon, Emmanuel, quickly, and no mention for Bobby Portis. But Drew Holiday, can he get on the third-team All-NBA? It is going to be tough year after year to see the team with the best record in the Bucks where they've been the last few years to only get one All-NBA player. Maybe, just maybe, the door is open for uh, Drew Holiday to be all NBA. We've run out of time on the show. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. My thanks to Ben Golliver, Dustin Godsey, Dave Kane, Lisa Byington, Camille Davis, and our producers tonight Tommy Wirtz, Chris Larson, and Alex Telez for keeping the show on the air. You've been listening to the three hour playoff preview edition of Bucks Weekly. Sunday, the Bucks begin the playoffs at home against TBD. 4:30 tip-off, we will have you for Bucks Talk immediately afterwards. Thanks to the producers and everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.